0: Either she homeless or she got problems. That's the only reason why she runs to a black man.
1: I like him already. Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Producer, director, writer. He is the ultimate filmmaker and bona fide foodie. You're listening to The, the Quintas, Quintas Factor. Factor with Michael J. Arbouet. It's that time again. Hello, my friends, greetings, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Quidditas Factor. I'm your host, Michael J. Arboy. That word, Quidditas, what does it mean? Adriana, please give them the definition.
0: Quidditas, Latin, the whatness of a thing, the essential nature of something, the quality that makes a thing what it is.
1: That's absolutely correct. Quidditas is the whatness or essence of a thing or person. In this episode, I want to talk about three reasons why it's so difficult for us to follow our passions, you know, and one of those reasons is, is that we are waiting to find out what our passion is. Don't wait to find out what your passion is. You know, it's better to pursue your passion and challenge the assumptions that the passion is something that has to be discovered. You know, if you're interested in something, you know, study it, learn about it. It's not just a feeling. It's something that you have to pursue and make it grow. You know, another reason why it's so hard for people to follow their passion is they have to focus about what you care about, not what's fun. You know, it's really interesting. A lot of people think that if it's fun, that's my passion, but that's not necessarily true. You know, what you have to do is focus on something that drives you. And you'll know what it is because you'll wake about, you'll think about it when when you're going to sleep. You'll think about it when you wake up. It will nag at your mind and you'll want to learn how to do that thing that excites you, you know. And the third reason people don't follow their passion is because they don't overcome the limits of their passion. They don't overcome that feeling because it's more than a feeling. It's something that has to drive you. You know, what does that mean? Imagine you're presenting a project at work and that you're passionate about it. We find that expressing your passion may only help you if your audience already agrees with what you're talking about or what you're presenting. And they, But if they're, not already, if they're not already on board, if they don't know what you're talking about, you have to be effective in bringing that energy to them. And that reminds me of a quote by Sabrina Bryan, and that quotes this. You can do anything as long as you have the passion, the drive, the focus, and the support. And isn't that true with life as well? And that reminds me of my next guest. My next guest has used exactly that to make his career. He's had the passion, drive, and focus, and he's done it all on his own. So without any further ado, please welcome to the show my friend, Joey Megahertz. Hey, Joey, man, what's up?
0: What's going on, bro? How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. Thank you so much for being on my show.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: Of course, man. Yeah. So as you know, the name of this show is called the Quidditas Factor. And Quidditas means the whatness or essence of a thing or person. But before we get into that, I want to know when you were like eight or nine years old, did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker? What did you want to do when you grew up?
0: Um, I didn't know if I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I knew I wanted to make movies. But I didn't know. I didn't know. if I, wanted, I sh- Let me rephrase that. I didn't know if I wanted to be a director. I just know that I wanted to be involved in the movie business. Put it that way. Okay. Whether, it, whether it's producing, acting, directing, or writing, I just knew I wanted to do movies.
1: You know, same here. My best friend, John Salantano, his father had a camera, and all I wanted to do was play with that thing and make movies. And when I was in high school, I joined the drama club, wanted to learn how to act. I wanted to learn everything. Um, what about you? Did you do the same thing in high school?
0: No, no, no high, no theater. Um, yeah, in high school, I didn't, I didn't take anything like that. I was kind of kept to myself, not kept to myself, but I was pretty quiet in high school.
1: Okay. Yeah. You know, I was a quiet kid too, in high school up until junior year. Cause that was like around, uh, 14, 15, 16, around there. And after I started playing with my friend's father's video camera, I just got bitten by the bug and I couldn't stop. I just wanted to make movies all the time. Oh, so and there then- you
0: go. Same thing with me. But I mean, like I didn't play sports because I had asthma. So I didn't play any sports. But like you know on the streets we play football, things like that, but in school I, I wasn't able to, to do anything. But yeah, like when I was in like 13 in eighth grade, like 13, 14, uh you know, I was I made like you know movies, I was playing with video cameras and doing things like that for right. sure.
1: Yeah. 100%, 100%. And so then, you know, after joining drama club, because I wanted to see if I can act, I didn't know if I could act, I didn't know, you know. I didn't know anything about it, so I figured I would just join. I also found that there were more girls in there than than guys. I said, Oh I mean, <laughs> right. let me hook up with these drama kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then um then I you know I went to Long Island University and that's where I, I studied film. Okay. So uh did uh, did you go to college and study film as well or oh I did not. I did not.
0: I um I don't know where I got it from. Mm-hmm. It just I don't know. I mean, definitely it was trial and error, believe me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I made a lot of bad movies, but I think that's where my 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 learning came from was from trial and error. I didn't I didn't I didn't have the luxury of going to a film school or anything like that. I, I kind of just you know yeah. went out there and did it. And then I learned from that.
1: Yeah, wow, that's cool, man. Tell me about that first project you worked on.
0: My first project, um, it was called The Adversary and I wrote it, directed, and I I played a a role in there. And that was like my learning experience because I didn't know how to write a script. So when I wrote the script and we shot the movie, the movie was four hours long. (laughs) I did not know how to write a script. I wrote a script. I wrote the script on Word. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I didn't set it up right properly because I didn't know. And then I rented a movie theater in Manhattan called um, the Film Archives. Mm-hmm. It's on Second Avenue. So we put it in there, sold tickets, and, and everybody... I never watched the full movie yet. I just knew it was edited, and then I was like, I right, let's do it. And the movie turned out to be four hours long. Everybody was like, what the... F-? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know? So um that was a lesson right there, that you need to learn how to write a script and understand that 60 seconds is supposed to be a page or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. um that was a good learning experience for me but what really what it taught me was that i did have the attention of everybody there their attention was stuck to the film so it showed me okay this is a good film just too long you know Mm -hmm. and then um you know because you can't make a movie every second so I started to shoot tons of music videos just to keep money coming in so I can live, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I shot a second film called Tradition. That one was a lot better. It was an hour and 40 minutes. And, you know, we rented the the theater in Merrick Mm -hmm. and then we put it in the film festivals in LA that did well, caught the attention of a couple of big people. Um, and you know the rest is history, I guess, as you want to call it. But I think I think the hardest part for me was that I didn't know the the, the terminology, like some of the lingo, some of the things, what certain things are called. I knew how to fix it if there was a problem. I knew what I had to do. But I, w- if you wanted me to get a C stand, I probably didn't know that was a C stand. Like just give me the light stand. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like certain <laughs> things like that, because I didn't go to the film school, so the terminology I didn't have. And that's what I think really affected me but as i got older and put myself into other situations and stopped shooting for myself and started shooting other people's project and getting you know union workers and all this stuff that's when i learned the terminologies
1: wow that's so crazy you know i did something similar you know right after i got married um, all the digital cameras started coming out and so i i wanted to make movies but i also needed to make money so i bought a whole bunch of video equipment i I started a small business i started shooting wedding videos and on the side i would shoot um, music videos and that's how i learned how to edit Basically, from shooting these music videos, and I learned about timing and when to lay the music track down. I got really good at it, and I also had to practice editing because back then, when uh, digital first came out, you know, I had to learn Final Cut Pro. That was the uh, the editing program at the time, which doesn't even exist anymore. But that's how I got good at editing, and it was because I used to make this show um, uh, called The Sound Society. And basically, what we did was this is like way before YouTube we shot the show and um, we'd put it on public access and we had it playing here on long island and we also had it playing in manhattan and that was kind of like my claim to fame before we ran out of money
0: (laughs) yeah music videos are good for that but i i learned how to edit on you know on a movie first you know what i'm saying like i learned how to edit there and then and then I just started to shoot tons of music videos for myself, and then I used it to say, hey, I can make your video look like this. You know what I mean? Just picture mm-hmm. yourself with your music. And that was something that I, uh, I did. I did a lot, a lot of, you know? Oh, wow.
1: So, yeah. Wow, man, that's so interesting that we kind of had that parallel experience. But Mike, I have a question for you. How did you learn what to do? You know, it took me a little bit to figure out about the unions, but I learned about that in film school. And we learned about, you know, how to make a movie. How did you learn the business of making a film?
0: Um, I, I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the producers that I did with, Lee Kaplan, I met him and he kind of like my mentor. He did the movie Ali mm-hmm. with, with Will Smith and things like that. And tons of other movies. You know Hollywood movie, so he gave me a lot of experience. Deborah Markowitz, she she played a big role in that, with with getting the union or telling me what needs to be done and how this goes like that. So you know I was like a sponge. I, I kind of take a lot from people that done it before me and try to make sense of it all. So that's how I I I learned a lot of it from from the producing end. So like basically I can do everything. I can write, produce, direct, act, edit forget about it. I can edit like crazy. So, you know, what I wanted to do when I was a kid, I'm, I'm able to do it now. Like I can do everything when it comes to a movie. So.
1: Wow. And you mentioned Debbie Markowitz, who I absolutely adore. I've known her for years. She's always been willing to help out filmmakers and now she's a filmmaker herself. And she's also a guest on this show. She was on season one of the Quidditch House Factor. I can't say enough good things about her. Um, You know, that's, that's really cool. So I have to ask this question because the people that are listening are going to ask this question. So I'm going to have to ask it of you. It's one of the hardest things about being a filmmaker. Where do you find the money?
0: Okay. I don't think there's any right way to do it. I think you just got to turn every stone over. Everybody Mm -hmm. you meet, you got to look at them as a potential investor. You know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, you know, one of your friends or this guy over here, over there. I'm saying like anybody that, you know, is, is involved with financial or wealthy or whatever, they can be your next investor. And and I think it's it's not bad, but, you know, you're trying to get somewhere. So for me, it's every conversation that I have with someone that has money or or know someone with money or isn't invested themselves, it always translates into, hey, I got this project going on. And that's how they might not be able to do it or they don't want to do it, but they know somebody else. And um, I think the more people know what it is that you do, the more they will have that conversation with you about, so how do you find money for films? And then you say, oh, I know this guy, I do this. And then they like, well, I know someone too, and blah, 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 blah. So I think I think it's putting yourself out there And just turning over every stone, every person you meet, you gotta, you can't look at them like, oh, that guy doesn't have any money. You don't know that just because he doesn't look like it, he might be the richest person (laughs) on the block. You don't know. So I just always have the conversation with with people, and no matter who they are.
1: Joey, man, thank you for that great advice. You know, and so I'd like to talk about one of your shorts that you've done, uh, called Burr, and it has some of the same people that I know and that you know like Debbie Markwards, who we just spoke about, Andrew Hendricks, and a bunch of other people. So tell me a little bit about that film.
0: Okay, so it's a, it's a sci-fi, um, and I wrote it as like a series. And um, it's about this entity from the fourth dimension that comes into our world and enlightens people. And there is no wrong or right to this entity. It just does. Whatever the mission is, it gets done. You know what I mean? So um, when I wrote it, I was like i just gotta i want to make this look totally different than anything that i ever shot i wanted to use different cameras i wanted to use the aries i wanted to use anamorphic cook lenses which i did so um there was a woman that i shot a music video for her husband was a wealthy banker and when i shot the video he and i started talking that's why i said he talked to everybody
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: he funded that particular project and I got Deborah involved and then she came in and said, hey, what about these people or these people? And she produced the whole the whole project with me. You know, we shot it, we shot it three times, three times. The first time we shot it um, was a proof of concept for me to see what it would look like. The second time we shot it with with Deb Deborah playing one of the leads. And then by the time we got to that point, I was like, wait a minute, I can do this way better. And, and that's exactly what we did. And then that's when we did it with the Aries and we did it with the cooks. And, you know, we used Manhattan as the backdrop and studios, all that stuff. So it came out really, really good. And that kind of told me you can do this, even though I've been doing it for forever. But after that project, it told me you can do this and you can do better, providing you have all the money and resources you need. And that, that's what it was for me. It's just for me to l- let me know that you can do this.
1: Wow, what a great concept. I can't wait to check that out. Um, Before you did Burr, you did a couple of other projects. Can you tell me in the audience a little bit about them?
0: Okay, so The Vacation is a Norwegian film that that's in pre. We didn't shoot that yet. It's a Norwegian film that's going to be shot in South Africa. Um, I'm going to co-direct with the director, a Norwegian director, and um Strange Love was just a short that we shot over COVID because we all were bored and going crazy. So we booked a hotel in Montauk because nobody's over there. It was COVID, beginning of COVID, like everything was shut down. And we were just so itchy. So I got a couple of my friends together and some actors. And then we went out to Montauk and shot like this 10 minute short story. That's it. And um, we just we just and it was a pet project and it wasn't important. I just finished all the editing now and the color grade. So I'm going to put that out in its entirety on like, you know, Instagram and YouTube, just something just to put out. Cause we, we were bored. Um, then there's another project called battle, which I produced. It's another Norwegian project that did really, really well on, on Netflix. So that one, that one's out now. Um, I think I did that maybe like two years ago. That was okay. still doing pretty well. That's on Netflix right now. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now. It's a Norwegian film. Okay, so, so tell
1: me about tell me about that story. It's called Battle.
0: Battle. Yeah, it's about um, two Norwegian actors. One guy is from like the bad part of Norway, and then the girl is like a ballet dancer. She falls in love with a street dancer, and she has her you know her rich boyfriend. And basically, it's like a step step up, but in Nor- in Norwegian, pretty much the same. Like, and they have the dance battles. You know, the the kids from the wrong side of the tracks and the, the the uppity kids you know so that's what it's about and um I was hired to produce and bring that New York American flavor to a Norwegian film
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's what my job was even though I didn't direct it but that's what you know my job
1: was Joy man wow that sounds amazing and I can't believe we haven't worked together before I mean we have the same friends we work with the same people and we only live like a town away from each other so that's kind of crazy Um, but yeah, I definitely want to work with you in the future. Uh, so I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask all my guests, you know, it's kind of like my patented podcast questions. So my first question to you is this, um, tell me something that people seem to misunderstand about you.
0: Um, judgmental, but I'm not, I'm just, I just say what's on my mind.
1: Here's a question for you. What's the one thing that directing did for you that you didn't expect?
0: Took me across the world, all over the world, and back more than once.
1: Mm.
0: I didn't expect that.
1: If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him?
0: Keep doing it. You're doing right. You're you're doing what's doing it. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Keep going.
1: Okay. So I yeah. told you before at the beginning of this podcast that quidditas is the what, or essence of a thing or a person. But to make it easy on you and the people listening at home, let's just say that quidditas means magic power, superpower, or, or some okay. kind of ability. What would your quidditas or magic power be?
0: Favor from people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you understand the word favor, like you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I I would say light. Mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah that would be my yeah like yeah that i would i would probably say that
1: okay and yeah. and what way explain that a little bit to the audience and me
0: okay so i guess certain rooms that another person could walk into and get something done might not happen for them but i'll i be able to do it
1: mm-hmm.
0: if that you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. I I I'll be able to do it. Mm. Yeah.
1: Outside of uh, acting, directing, producing, what are you curious about right now? Religion. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What's something you think you failed at? A lot of things. Um, (laughs) A lot of things. Uh, I
0: think I failed. I don't see it as failure. I see it as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think I fail in anything. I think it's, I I just, I learned from it. And I would probably would say uh, being too quick to make decisions. Okay. Yeah. Let's see.
1: Um, finish this sentence for me, I believe.
0: Okay. I believe in my ability to make it. Yeah.
1: Finish this next sentence for me. I am most proud of.
0: I am most proud of my family and where
1: I came from. I'm very proud of that. Um, After working all this time in the industry, do you have an agent?
0: (laughs) I just picked one up the other day. Um, Yeah. So now I do. Yes. Wow.
1: Wow. And so, yeah. of course, the question is, how did you get an agent? Because a lot of people don't even know how to do that.
0: Yeah, I think when they come to you, it's better than you mm-hmm. going to them. But I met this one from a good friend of mine from L.A. He uh, sent them my work and they were like, yeah, let's sit down and have a conversation. So that's how I, I got that. Normally, I, di- I didn't have one. I just I think I want to try different things this year. So I said, let me do it mm-hmm. and see if we get different results, which I hopefully we
1: do. What advice would you give to somebody just starting out in the business?
0: Don't quit. Don't get out of line. I mean, what I mean, don't get out of line. I mean, like if you start it, stay in it, stick in it. Don't get out and then stop and then get back in because you're going to start all over again. And one thing I learned is if you don't get out of line, eventually your number will be called. And you'll get where you want to go. And I live by that. I mean, I don't care how long it takes me. I'm going to keep going until I get it. And, and that's, that's life. I just think that anything you do, if you don't quit, you're going to get it. Simple, simple. That's simple. It, it, you know, it might take 20 years. It might take 10 years. It might take five years for you. But you're going to get it as long as you don't stop. So don't get out of line. Stay, stay in your queue and keep going. That's, that's what I would tell you, anybody.
1: And my final question of the day is this. What does the future hold for Joey Megahertz?
0: Oh, it's limitless, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the future, the future is as bright as I want it to be because I create the future, you know? So Mm -hmm. my future is limitless because that's the way I I see it. Yeah, because I create my future.
1: Okay. And for those listening at home, how can they get in touch with you?
0: um they can reach me on, on instagram mm-hmm. everything is joey mhz anyways that's joey mhz at gmail or joey mhz at instagram i don't have facebook but um but they can find me like that joey mhz
1: joey thank you so much for being on the show it was an absolute pleasure having you on um can you take us out this is joey megahertz and i'm listening to the quit factor Thank you for listening to The Quidditas Factor. I'm your host, Michael J. Arbourway. Before I let you go, please check out my website at com. That's M-I-K-E-A-R-B-O-U-E-T.com. And you can check out my shop. There you'll see a shop called Arbo Artifacts, where I have some t-shirts for sale that will help the uh, show, as well as my wife's Etsy store, which is called Poem Jewelry Design. And Poem actually stands for power of each moment so please check out that store because she sells a lot more than jewelry there and it's really cool and amazing and i'm not just saying that because i'm her husband i'm saying it because it's true and finally if you can please become a patron thank you for the people who are patrons so far thank you so much and i hope to see everyone um join if they can and please join me every tuesday for a new episode of the quid toss factor thank you for listening we'll see you next week Thanks so much for listening to The Quintas Factor with Michael J. Arborway. We'll catch you next time.